This podcast is supported by Mercury Gate International, Inc., a global provider of cloud-based enterprise transportation management software that allows shippers and service providers to supercharge their business. The Mercury Gate TMS delivers transportation planning and execution, load optimization, global shipment tracking, and performance analysis of involved parties. Mercury Gate enables your business to be smarter, stronger, faster, better than the competition by supporting all modes of transportation and handling multimodal, multi-leg, global transportation requirements door-to-door. TMS that delivers. www.mercurygate.com Now, on to the podcast. After 10 years of practicing lean principles, how much skinnier can you get? Hi, everybody. I'm Bob Bowman, Managing Editor of Supply Chain Brain, and this is the Supply Chain Brain Podcast. Avnet Inc. is a leading distributor of electronic components and semiconductors and computer products. Recently, it celebrated its 10th anniversary as a lean company. For years, Avnet has aggressively pursued a philosophy that focuses on the elimination of waste in every area of the business. Advent has tackled the manufacturing end as well as key processes up and down the supply chain. But how much further can it go? Isn't there a point at which a company can get too lean? We've seen a lot of suppliers caught with too little inventory to keep product flowing in the wake of a natural disaster or supply chain glitch. Mike Boozman is Chief Global Logistics and Operations Officer for Avnet. He joins me on this episode to talk about where the company has been and where it's going on the never-ending journey to lean and supply chain quality. It is, in fact, a balancing act, but there's lots more to be done. Boozman offers advice on how other companies can follow Avnet's example. So here is my conversation with Mike Boozman. Mike Boozman, welcome to the show. Bob, thank you. It's a pleasure to be be with you today. Now, this is not exactly a new topic, lean, but why don't you define for me, first of all, what that concept means, especially by modern standards? Yeah, I'd be happy to. Um, you know, and, and I'll reference the Abnet culture and our philosophy here quite a bit. But, but when we really think about lean, you know, we think that it's, it's one of the core pillars to a continuous improvement culture. And, and we look actually at three things here uh, as part of that continuous improvement culture. You know, lean is, is the, the, the primary pillar that we focus on, uh, but Six Sigma is also one of those pillars. And then we also believe that, you know, those two together are very powerful. But, but like a lot of things in an organization, it takes a change management model to keep bringing everybody along with. And, and the, the third tenant that we build on is, is Prosky's ad card change management model. So, you know, so, so again, it's been there. I think it always will be there. And it's, it's, to me, it's the core of this continuous improvement culture. 
But essentially, it is a series of processes or a process that does what? That basically strips away waste from uh, from yeah, any operation. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. You know, if you kind of take it all the way back to, you know, if you go Google it, right, the core of lean is eliminate the different types of waste, you know, anywhere in that value stream. And, and, and we really think about it that way. We think about the entire value stream. And we, we say that we relentlessly are focused on finding those opportunities to eliminate waste. Okay, so lean does have its roots in manufacturing and the plant floor. I wonder if you feel that in the ensuing years it has been successfully applied to other parts of the supply chain. Yeah, again, I absolutely agree with you. I think kind of, you know, the fundamentals and the cores, you know, you go way back in time, absolutely started with a lot of principles of industrial engineering and on the manufacturing floor. And we see, you know, significant opportunities to continue to utilize it in those spaces. But but I think the question you ask is really intriguing. As our service model is getting more and more complex, we are seeing more and more applications to utilize kind of the premise of lean, again, farther up the value stream and farther down the value stream. And, and, and again, I'll give you a couple of very, very quick examples. We're using a lot of the lean principles now as we're engaged with our customers back up around demand planning, you know, in their SNLP processes. Um, so between their solution and our solution, we have mutually, I'll say, leaned out the material and the inventory that's that's in that entire value stream. Obviously, it's one thing to talk about leaning out the physical aspect of, a, of an operation. You know, make sure you don't have too many parts or you're only taking delivery of the parts as the moment you need them on the line. Finished goods are ready, you know, are finished when they're ready to be shipped and not sitting around. That's one thing. But then we're also talking about lean processes, too, and stuff that maybe it's a little bit harder to kind of get your arms around, right? Absolutely. And again, I think they're, 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 they're very diverse, you know, the, the kinds of requirements. Um, again, I'll, I'll give you maybe some examples. We're seeing more and more requirements um, around quality requirements and flow-down requirements. And this sounds very rudimentary, but, but if you follow it all the way back up, um, an aerospace customer has requirements that flow from the U.S. government or from the military, flows to the suppliers and the customers. Ultimately, those those requirements have to flow to us, so we're aware of them. And again, we can you know honor those requirements. And again, price sounds like a very again rudimentary, very self-evident statement, but the complexities in that process and all the handoffs and the communication is quite complex. And the tools again help us really work back through this and, and meet all those requirements. It's not just a question of wasting actual physical materials. It's wasting actions by people. Like if you have to rekey information or if you have to relay something a second or third time or if everyone's sitting in their own little silos not sharing information and all doing the same stuff redundantly, that is subject to lean processes too, is it not? Yeah, certainly. And again, you know, we were just working on an example here last week on global trade compliance. And to your point, when we really started to follow the, the communication that had to occur to get from here's a requirement to getting that requirement to the right people so they could execute, there were, I won't share all the details, but there were, there were multiple entries. There were multiple redundant keystroke entries, which one is waste to your exact point about time in the reentry. It's also waste because there's potential errors every time somebody has to manually key something in. 
you know, so again, probably rudimentary. It's trade compliance. You just go do it. But what we've been able to discover using the tools is, again, all those different types of waste start to eliminate the waste and still meet, you know, the high service level requirements that, you know, our customers expect from us. I think it's really interesting that you hit on the issue of compliance as something that can be improved on through lean processes because it seems to me that in the regulatory environment, both in the U.S. and globally, regulators are almost – it almost seems like they're out to frustrate the very concept of lean because they have so many different requirements that may or may not overlap and everyone has their own requirements for how you must file certain certain things with them. So is it indeed possible – to, to lean out a compliance environment in such a way that would actually, uh, you know, cause a more harmonized approach within a company toward serving the needs of multiple countries, multiple agencies, and multiple regulations. And again, you painted the landscape really well. Um, I don't know if they're consciously out trying to frustrate, you know, anybody. It but, just but feels it, like that. That's all. It certainly feels like that. At a minimum, it's a very, very complex landscape, you know, to navigate with many, many inputs to your exact point. But, but again, I think the point becomes you probably, we probably unilaterally cannot go fix, if you want to call it that, all of the requirements up front. You know, the, easy, easy, the perfect solution would be harmonize, have one set of global requirements around global trade compliance. Everybody goes to one location, gets the requirements, and everybody goes forth and, and follows those requirements. And, you know, again, I, I think that's a noble space to think about. And, again, in a lean culture, you think about how to get there. But, but we also know we can't unilaterally fix that. So what we do is with the inputs that we have, all the complexities you just talked about, we then say within the things that are within our control, within our partners' control, and our partners are either suppliers or customers, where do we start to do the things that are wasteful and how do we eliminate those? And the example I shared with you a minute ago, we had plenty of things, you know, we, we kind of rationalized and understood the inputs, but then in our own world, we were adding complexity to it, and we've been able to back and eliminate out some of that complexity. Has lean continued to mature and develop over the years, in fact, the decades, or is it in danger ever of stalling out because companies just lose interest or feel they've gone about as far as they can go? I'm a huge lean advocate, and part of the reason I really like lean is I believe strongly it's a journey, and, and therefore the fact that it's continuous and it's a journey, it's never done. So, so I think in some organizations there's a danger it can stall. Um, you know, I guess maybe I would share it. Abnet, you know, we've got a long history here of of lean. You know, over the last several years, we've done it under a banner of operational excellence. We've got a great foundation of lean built out around the world. But, but with the spirit that lean is a journey and that it's never done, we actually very actively today are evolving from this operational excellence kind of a a mindset to really something we're calling enterprise effectiveness. And and there's a lot more to it than changing the name, right? But it's really taking this continuous improvement culture, and lean's one of the core tenets to continuous improvement, and it's really helping us accelerate and enhance what we're going to do, you know, uh, at Abnet, again, for our partners. And again, probably that the answer to the question you're after, I think there's a danger if it stalls because it can get stale or it can get to a certain point and see diminishing returns. But by definition, it's continuous improvement. And if you continue to, I'll say, modify it, mutate it, keep all the good things that you put in place and then build on that foundation, I think the journey is endless and it goes on forever and ever and ever. I wonder if the marriage of Six Sigma and Lean has not injected new life 
into the lean concept. Do you think that's a possibility? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, again, I absolutely think it's a possibility. And again, I think there's there's three cores to continuous improvement. It's certainly lean taking out waste. It's certainly Six Sigma, you know, reducing variation. And then it's this change management model of how you keep, again, bringing people along with. And, and, and I'll tell you, we probably here are seeing an increase in the need for the, uh, the Six Sigma tool set. Uh, again, our, our customers' complexities are increasing. They want you know, improved and higher levels of quality from us. They want less variation in the process. And again, that marriage, that interaction between Six Sigma and Lean uh, is very, very powerful. So, so yeah, I think, I think we're going to see, I think we're going to see more use of Six Sigma, and I think it kind of drives this continuous improvement culture, and therefore it brings along Lean right along with all the things we just said. I want to take a moment to tell you about MercuryGate International, Inc., a global provider of cloud-based enterprise transportation management software that empowers shippers, 3PLs, freight brokers, and freight forwarders to supercharge their business. 300 customers worldwide use the MercuryGate TMS every day to plan and execute their transportation, optimize loads across customers, track and trace their shipments, and analyze the performance of all parties involved. The MercuryGate TMS supports global multi-leg shipments using any mode, including parcel, LTL, truckload, ocean, air, rail, and intermodal from point of origin to point of destination. MercuryGate delivers software-as-a-service and on-premise TMS solutions that can be configured to meet the unique business processes and workflows of shippers and logistics service providers, allowing execution of the most demanding freight movements. MercuryGate's single-platform TMS can be accessed with any web browser across the globe and allows for localization and personalization, as well as easy ERP, WMS, carrier, and customer network integration to tie together and strengthen your supply chain. TMS that delivers. www.mercurygate.com Now, back to the show. Lean, as I understand it, one of the precepts of it is the idea that everyone in the organization gets involved. Everyone's input is valuable. How do you manage and encourage on a continuing basis input from all of your people when they have ideas for how they can further lean out your organization and your operation? Yeah, you know, that ties directly into this, I'll call it kind of this evolution that we're going through here from operational excellence to enterprise effectiveness. And and said real simply, one of the biggest opportunities we have, we have about 18,000 employees around the globe, and and I like to think we have 18,000 people who are extremely bright, all right? They are a goldmine of ideas. They are solving problems every single day, and, and giving them a venue to be engaged, you know, to get their ideas on the table and for their ideas to, 
maybe solve a local solution, maybe become a global solution. It's great for those 18,000 people. And again, that's a gold mine of opportunity, you know, for, for us at Avnet. So, so that's kind of the spirit. It's kind of the key to where we're going with this, with this enterprise effectiveness. And I think, you know, the venue is there for these people to put their ideas on the table. We do that a lot of different ways. You know, we have competitions, we have measures, we, um, we have a, a methodology where we track the results. We give visibility to those, to those people and to those results uh, during our operational reviews and during our best practice sharing events around the globe. And, and again, I, I, think, I think the opportunity is tapping into those ideas leveraging them for the business, and honestly rewarding the people for their great ideas. When you get up to 18,000 people, it's almost as if you're crowdsourcing, if I could use a more recent trendy term. You know, it's interesting. We were, we were talking about this two weeks ago. It, it almost is that, and it's really I, – I, I hosted an event at one of our sites uh, this week on Monday. I had about 14 people in the room. And, you know, it was a very much, you know, an informal, we have lunch, we just talk, very diverse group of people from, from one of our largest distribution centers. And, and it was really interesting because, you know, the premise was, you know, invite, invite Boozman, invite me over to, to spend some time. And I walked out of that meeting with so many ideas, and they were feeding off of each other, as you exactly said. We started off on a simple topic, I'll say a relatively simple topic. And, and it went for 20 minutes of them feeding off each other. Well, we could do this, and what about this idea? And hey, I have a friend that works at another company that tried this. And it, it was it was actually very energizing and actually quite inspirational to watch it unfold. But then the secret of uh, of success is to move from that into actually executing those suggestions instead of everybody patting each other on the back and going back to their regular jobs. Yeah, absolutely. So you got to monitor on a regular basis whether those things are actually implemented. Yeah, and, and again, I think you just hit one of the keys to me, which is, you know, we have a program. It's a, it's a results program, and, and we're, we're certainly tracking and monitoring um, the activity that's going on, you know, the number of events, the number of Kaizens, uh, the number of people that are trained in green belts and black belts. And, and monitoring, that's very important, uh, but that's activity. The, the, I think the real breakthrough happens when you move from the activity being the measure of success and you move towards what you were just talking about, Bob, which is you start to really look at the results, right? And sometimes those are dollars. You know, dollars kind of speak for themselves, right, if it's cost. But some of the biggest wins we're seeing are not necessarily the hard dollars, but the improvements to service levels, the improvements to, uh, to the quality levels or the delivery levels, you know, that our customers are seeing from us. Uh, but, at, but at the end of the day, to your exact point, what will absolutely, I think, doom lean is if you keep asking people for their ideas and none of them go forward and get implemented, right? I yeah. can never do them all, but if none of them go anywhere, it gets real quiet real fast. <laughs> Let me hit on what you just talked about, service levels there, because Lean has always seemed to me to be a largely internal kind of uh, initiative, internal efficiencies that may not necessarily be visible to the customer. And yet you seem to be arguing that lean really can have a bottom line impact on customer service to the extent that the customer will see the results of your lean operation. Is that your argument? Yeah, I think I'd say that is the position. And here's why I think that way. All right. I think, you know, certainly within our walls of Abnet, we're relentlessly hammering away looking for the next improvements, you know, in cost and quality and service. And again, means a superb enabler. All right. But, but I think in a general statement, 
we can create even better solutions, and I'll say the best solutions, when we get a broader view kind of across the entire value stream that our suppliers and our customers are working in. And, and, and again, I think Abnetson is kind of unique, and it's a great position, right, because we get to see this broad view of the value stream. You know, we have suppliers, you know, uh, on the front end of the value stream. We certainly have customers, you know, on the back end of the value stream. And, again, Abnet's got this great spot where we're integrated in the middle of this value stream. And I think that really gives us, it provides us a window to a whole lot of different applications of lean or extensions of lean that go way outside the four walls and what we can control. You know, and a really, really simple example would be if we were to go try to optimize the working capital for, for our partners, we can, we can drive a whole lot of things within our four walls, Right. But if we really get to the point where we're this trusted partner with them, then that value stream and that total uh, spend on working capital that they have, it's not just in our walls. It's what's in the pipe at our supplier. It's what's staged in a finished goods inventory at our customer uh, and so on. And if we can get that, I'll, I'll call it more that holistic view of the entire value stream, that's where I think the opportunities become much, much, much larger. You know, it's interesting. There's no lack of lean institutes and quality institutes and educational kinds of things like that. I wonder, though, to what extent you feel are companies doing a good job of sharing information and their and their own uh, innovations? Is there benchmarking going on that allows for that, or do you pretty much have to sort of do, you know do this in an internal way, and for that matter, consider it a competitive advantage that you don't even want to share your specific uh, you know initiatives with potential competitors? Let me take a couple swings at that question. First off, internally, um, we're good at sharing our best practices internally. But we're not superb. We're not world-class. We're not where we want to be. And so what that says is we still have opportunities internally to share those ideas, right? And, again, we're, we're a big company. We've got 18,000 people. You know, we're doing business, you know, around the globe um, and sharing those practices across different businesses, sharing those businesses across different regions and time zones in itself is a challenge, all right? Um, with that said, we're very involved, again, I'll say outside our four walls with some different trade organizations, and, and I'd say we like to be very collaborative about what we're learning and, and sharing those ideas. Um, I, I guess I like to think that what we discover by sharing, we're going to get some ideas back from other people. And most of the problems we're solving have either been solved before or they've been solved by other people. And, again, sometimes, you know, two plus two can equal five by sharing those ideas. Now, with that said, we are, as, as part of our evolution here, we are going down a path and we're, we're moving over towards a, method, a methodology um, um, around SCORE, which, Bob, you're probably aware and most of your listeners are probably really aware, but SCORE stands for Supply Chain Operations Reference. You know, it's just widely accepted, you know, standard within the industry. And what that allows us, what it gives us, it gives us a set of external benchmarks, all right? where we then can compare Avnet, you know, in our performance, certainly across our own businesses because we're using a standard scorecard yardstick, if you will. But it also allows us to go, again, hold ourselves up and compare to others in the supply chain industry. And what we think this is doing is, back to the theme of continuous improvement, it's raising the bar. It, it's giving us this industry standard approach to measure how we're improving and, and it's going to, we believe, improve our customer experience and our productivity you know, around the globe. 
You know, this all sounds great, but I wonder if at some point the whole concept of lean begins to have a downside. I'm thinking specifically of just-in-time manufacturing schemes that have sometimes led to too little inventory in the pipeline, heightening supply chain risks. So is there a possibility that a company can actually become too lean? I certainly believe there's that risk. You know, again, you know, we aspire to be this trusted partner, but we believe in order to do that, we've got to be in a position to find that right balance across the whole ecosystem with our customers. And and, and I think about it like this. Lean is a great tool, all right? But just like any other tool in the toolbox, if it's over-applied or if it's misapplied, you know, it can either inadvertently do damage or get damaged. And, and I think I think there's some great examples out there to the theme you were just talking about where the dynamics, you know, the, the stressors were get the lowest cost but also maintain best service. And, and I think some of the events like the tsunami over in Japan, the floods in Thailand over the last, you know, several years, I think those were really demonstrative that the bias had maybe gone too far towards lean off the supply chain, remove safety stock, go to, you know, to your point, just in time. And, and the benefits, in the, you know, when it was working were the costs were reduced. There was no doubt about that. That's what drove the behavior. But, again, I think the balance got out a little too far. The supply chain got leaned out too far. And when those stressors were induced on the value stream, no longer could they sustain service levels. You know, lead times went out, right? Buffer stocks weren't in place. And to me, I think that's very demonstrative that it certainly can get, I'll say, misapplied or it can optimize too far on any one thing and ultimately suboptimize the total solution. Okay, then looking ahead, where is there work to be done? What aspects of the supply chain are really crying out for lean uh, most as, as, as we look ahead to coming months and years? Yeah, I think right now we're really, really focused, um, again, back on, I'll call it, the, uh, the demand planning and understanding the entire working capital investment that's, that's out there in that value stream. Again, supplier, us, customer, because, you know, again, everybody out there is driven by compressed margins right now. Everybody out there absolutely needs to and wants to take out inventory, said real simply. So so our opportunity as a trusted partner is figure out with our customers, with our suppliers, again, where that right balance is. How much is enough? How much is a little too much? What are the unique things we can offer that by reducing inventory we can still provide service levels? So I, I think that's one. I think the other one is around maybe the non-traditional, you know, you think about touch time in a factory or in a distribution center, but around the technical requirements that we're seeing, these flow-down requirements of quality, of global trade compliance, you know, what some people would call almost the back office work, there is big opportunity there. And part of it is the waste of time. A big part of it is the waste that comes with causing a defect or having an escape. So I think those are the primary areas where we're really looking at it right now. If a company wanted to get started on lean, can you recommend a book or a lean guru or somebody like that you think that really does a good job of summing it up and putting them on the right path? Yeah, you, you know, I, I will tell you, I, I don't and I, I won't because I don't necessarily endorse any one. You know, a lot of the things, a lot of the principles, right, you go back to any of the books that start off at a Toyota, you know, or off that base culture, that's where most of the fundamental fundamentals around lean have come from. Um, I personally, and I believe this very strongly, I think it's less about which book, <laughs> uh, because the cores and the tenets of this are, are pretty, pretty fundamental. I think it's more about choose one, choose the language, and use it with a degree of consistency. 
so people are aligned and not confused by, you know, kind of this changing language around lean and continuous improvement. And, and then I think the real key is <laughs> go forward with it. And to the theme we talked about a little while ago, start to act on people's ideas and start to demonstrate the results and quite honestly celebrate those results. I think that's much, much more important than, than, than any one book or any one foundation that's out there. Well, you know, Mike, it's really gratifying to hear that Lean is still alive and well and moving forward. And I really want to thank you for sharing your experience at Avnet with us and tell us a little about what, what you folks are doing. Mike Boozman, thank you so much for being on the show. Bob, thanks for letting me share, again, some of the Avnet vision around Lean, and it's been a real pleasure. Before we go, a final word from our sponsor, Mercury Gate International, Inc., a global provider of cloud-based enterprise transportation management software that allows shippers and service providers to supercharge their business. The Mercury Gate TMS delivers transportation planning and execution, load optimization, global shipment tracking, and performance analysis of involved parties. Mercury Gate enables your business to be smarter, stronger, faster, better than the competition by supporting all modes of transportation and handling multimodal, multi-leg, global transportation requirements door-to-door. TMS that delivers. www.mercurygate.com That was my conversation with Mike Boozman of Avnet talking about the company's lean journey. I'm Bob Bowman, Managing Editor of Supply Chain Brain. We're online at www.supplychainbrain.com, where we post a new episode of this podcast for streaming or downloading every Friday. You can also read my Think Tank blog, watch nearly 2,000 videos, and access all of our other content, including the digital edition of our magazine. Look for us on Facebook and LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter, at SCBrain. And don't forget to check us out on iTunes. Just search for Supply Chain Brain Podcast. See you next time.